I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. AM 1420. WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. Did I botch your name? Did I say silent assassin wrong? I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't matter. We're frazzled here, trying to get all the technology running for the show. Uh, the Fate Radio stream is not working, so the Spooky TV is uh, currently down. But, of course, you can listen to us on SpookySouthCoast.com and hear the WBSM audio feed on WBSM.com as well. And uh, we'll... We'll find a way to get through this. We'll try and see if we can get that uh, video up and running during the course of the show. But um, it's, uh, it's been it's been a challenge being part. Of, we're we're glad to be part of Fate Radio. Uh, we love being a part of it, but it's it's been a challenge. And I don't know if it's technical on our end or if it's a problem with the service. But we'll try and get through it. But that doesn't matter. The people who want to hear the radio show, they don't care about the video. They don't care about whether or not they can see our ugly asses. All they care about is whether or not. They can get a quality, entertaining, paranormal program, and we have that for you tonight. Because we're going to be talking about Route 66, the legends and lore coming from that famous highway, the Mother Road. And we'll be talking with uh, Janice Tremere and Alicia Holder of the Route 66 Paranormal Alliance. Uh, Janice is the author of a forthcoming book on the spirits of Route 66, and we're going to talk about that and more with both of them coming up in just a few minutes. And then later on in the show, we're going to hear from old friend Derek Bartlett, uh, from the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society about the upcoming conference happening at the end of this month on Cape Cod, the 2010 Haunted America East Coast Conference, August 27th and 28th. So we'll talk to Derek about that. And he's actually out in the field, I guess you can say, tonight. They're having one of their haunted overnights at the old jail. So we'll talk to him from there. And then at the end of the program, Chris Balzano, content director for Spooky South Coast, will be joining us to talk about the new website in addition to giving us one of his patented Balzano breakdowns on road legends so it's going to be you know it's going to be one of those nights where at the end of the show you know you might want to hop on the hop on your bike or hop in your pickup and you know maybe throw a couple bags back there and just take off you know just head down the road and see what it brings you and uh, if that's the case then at least stay around here long enough to hear our uh little radio show what do you think do you think we can uh, move forward here move forward to where down the road, down Route down. 66. Okay. All right, so let's do that. I mean, I don't know. We, we, I think we've run enough commercials, certainly, to start the show. Yeah. So uh, we can get right into this, and we'll go We'll go commercial-free the rest of the hour. How's that? You think uh, the BSM higher-ups will be mad if we do that? Um, I think they're all in bed, so There you go. Fine. All right, they don't listen to the podcast. All right, joining us on the phone is Janice Tremere and Alicia Holder of the Route 66 Paranormal Alliance. Ladies, how are you tonight? Thanks for joining us. Hello. Hello. And... Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I've heard a lot of stories uh, about Route 66 over the years, but uh, not so many paranormal ones. Uh, just the, usually the ones that I've heard are from some of Matt Moniz's crowd <laughs> that have gone down there on their bikes and, and ridden the old Mother Road. And uh, I've heard a lot of stories that probably couldn't be repeated here on the radio. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what what is it about that area that uh, draws so much paranormal attention? Uh, well, Route 66 um, 
was pretty well known, especially Missouri, uh, had a lot of dangerous curves. And as more people started traveling in the 30s with tourism and a lot of military transport going to and from Fort Leonard Wood, there was a lot of accidents. So there was a lot of deaths along the road. Uh, it wasn't uh, built to handle the traffic, and that's one reason why the interstates then took over, because to, it made it straighter and, and made it safer to travel. But there was just a lot of deaths along the highway because of the dangerous curves in the hills. So... Uh- is it is it one of those things where uh, does it make it almost to the point where it becomes more dangerous because people think it's dangerous? We have a road like that here uh, on on the Cape. Uh, they call it Suicide Alley, and it's where the the highway basically goes down to one lane with Jersey barriers. And I find that so many people, when they find out they're approaching that section of the road, they slam on their brakes. They you know they don't know what to do, and it's because the stories that have come out of all the deaths and you see the crosses on the side of the road, it freaks people out before they even have a reason to act that way. Yeah, that could be. I know here in Missouri, uh, Route sixty six uh, um, before the interstate forty was in. There was a lot of hills. A lot of uh, 18-wheelers had a lot of trouble with hairpin curves and uh, the hills and stuff, and they just would tip over. They'd lose control. And and I've got some of my team members here, too, Dean Pastana and Jenna Barker and Andrew Mueller, so they, they can, you can also ask them some questions, too. Well, uh, hello, and thank you all for joining us. Hello, thanks. Hello. <laughs> so it's a full house here tonight on Spooky South Coast. So, what would you say, uh, Janice, is the predominant uh, Route 66 legend? Because you guys, you guys are in Missouri. Yes. And it's kind of right around the the origins of Route 66, right? The, where, where the whole idea came about? Yes. Uh, the gentleman that originally wanted to uh, get Route 66 going, they met here in Springfield, Missouri, at, for the meeting to plan out the highway. It actually started up in Illinois and Chicago, mm-hmm. but it was like first here in Springfield, um, and and it ends in Santa Monica, California, which is kind of interesting because as they're here in Missouri, I'm I'm sitting here in California talking to you from the other end. <laughs> it's uh, we've uh, we've had our own experiences like that uh, where you know we've had one person at the end of one road, one person at the other, but it's never been one that you know cuts across half the country. Amber. <laughs> so, uh, now, is is there, uh, as I mentioned before, is there like a predominant Route 66 legend? Is there, because, you know, we have our own road legends here, and we're going to talk about them later on with Chris Balzano, but is is there like one phantom that goes up and down the entire Route 66, or is it more regionalized to particular cities and towns along the way? I think it's more regionalized. I think uh, all up and down the highway, they each have their areas, and, and there's a lot of the, like the Phantom hitchhiker story, somebody who goes, you know, is on the highway, but I don't think it's somebody who travels the whole entire highway. And each spot, for instance, like uh, St. Louis, Flint Mansion is one of, or Missouri is one of the more famous, well-known haunted places, and not only for Missouri, but St. Louis, and it was on Route 66, so that's just kind of one of those things that's very regionalized, but well-known. And as you go along the highway, and, and I'm assuming, you know, you get into more, you, you must travel from pretty populated regions to really desolate regions. I mean, we've all seen the movies where people are heading down the road, and, you know, there's these long stretches as they get to, you know, Montana, they get to Arizona, wherever it is that there's, you know, nothing in the way. Uh, is there 
a lot of that in your neck of the woods, or is it mostly just populated areas along the route there? Uh, smaller town. Smaller town, yeah. Um, Some places like the Joplin Spook Lake is in the middle of nowhere. Right. Well, what's that What's that story? What? Uh, Spook Light in Joplin, the floating globe of incandescent something, has uh, been seen for years. People have been reporting it every year for years. All different kinds of people. No, no one can find out what it is, what causes it. It, it varies in size from like a baseball to a, a fairly good size global light that runs down a highway. People say it's marsh gas. Stays in sight for over a mile. But we we know people who've seen it up close. In fact, in uh, in the book, we uh, a friend of ours is told us a story where she was in a car behind somewhere else. There was like two or three cars on the road to watch the spook light. And she was in the last car. And the spook light came and bounced on top of the car in front of her and scared the guy like in front of her. He was just petrified. So she saw it fairly up close and personal. And I don't think Swamp has to do something like that. Well, I mean, that's the, the common way to pass things off like that. And you know, when these lights seem to have their own intelligence to them and they seem to have uh, some sort of uh, motivation to what they're doing, it definitely goes beyond swamp gas. There's yes. also, I was okay. going to say there's another place that's made famous by uh, spook lights, and that's Marfa, Texas, the okay. Marfa lights. So kind of like the same thing? Yeah, it's uh, lights that are incandescent lights seen off in the distance, and uh, when you try to get to them, they kind of disappear, or they will be attracted to vehicles and people and things, and all of a sudden, there and then, not there. You hear about that kind of a phenomenon all over. We've got another one here in Missouri down in the Booth Hill, that's not as well known as the Joplin Food Life. Well, and, and is there a castle in your neck of the woods that has a haunted legend, too, associated with it? Yes, here in Springfield, there's a Pythian Castle, gorgeous place. Uh, it was built by the Knights of Pythias way back many years ago. It, the Knights of Pythias was a secret society that started way back around the Civil War time, and they, they built several places they called lodges to house the widows and the orphans and the elderly members of their society. Pythian Castle is the biggest that they've ever made, and it uh, became a hospital for the military when they bought it out and uh, after it was an orphanage. And now it's uh, owned privately. And, and the lady that owns it, her name's Tamara. She's a very nice lady. And it's, it's an amazing place. And over 100 people die. Oh, about 105 people. And that's not military because the military records are sealed. So They've died just associated with the property? or Well, it was a hospital. I mean, but, I mean, uh, when you have... Uh, patients that die in a hospital, I mean, generally you like to hope that their spirits go somewhere better. Um, right. So are we, were these, we're talking about people who suffered uh, their end there, or are we talking about, like, employee deaths? Are we talking about... Um, I wasn't told anything that the deaths that they knew of were employee deaths. The, the deaths that uh, I was told about when I did the interview there, the 105 people, there were, like, three children, the rest were adults. This took place when it was the orphanage and house the elderly from the Knights of Pythias Society. The, when it was a hospital, it was owned by the military, and those, those records are sealed. So yeah. 
they don't know how many people might have died in the hospital there. Now, it also had uh, uh, German POWs from World War II, but who might have died during that time? Again, military owned, so who knows? The right. But with it being military, they, they can't find out if anybody died during that period of time, which you would think there probably was. They, they just can't access those records. And what what are some of the other places that are around there? Because not being you know here in, in the south coast of Massachusetts, we have a lot of uh, older buildings. I mean, how far back do the buildings go uh, out there? I'm assuming like you know when when the settlers started moving westward. Oh yeah. So your your ghosts are nowhere near as old as our ghosts. <laughs> Well, a lot of them in St. Louis, a lot of them in St. Louis go way back to you know the early French settlers, and even before that, when the Cahokia Mound were made over there in Illinois, the uh, Indian dwellers and stuff. We have, we have. There's a lot of caves underneath St. Louis, and supposedly there's there some of them are haunted by Indians, way back before the white man came. So what? we, a lot of the buildings, a lot of the hauntings, it seems like around here in Missouri are related to the Civil War, because so much happened. Well, and that's, uh, you know, we say the same thing here. We say they're related to King Philip's War, which was a, a Native American colonist war. But the Civil War, uh, of course, had uh, maybe the most traumatic impact uh, of anything that's happened in this country, paranormally speaking. Right. It, do you find that a lot of these spirits uh, you can kind of trace back to that? Pretty much. It seems like a lot of the, the reports of ghosts and hauntings go back to Civil War and a lot of, a lot of what people report seeing appears to be people in Civil War uniform um, or Victorian dress. Um, not so much, and then not so much beyond that, uh, unless it's like Indians, but kind of Victorian area, Civil War area, and then on up from that. But uh, there's a lot of reports of Civil War dress figures in the area. And. But, of course, those kind of would definitely predate Route 66. Route 66 has only been around since the 1920s. Um, yeah. So, uh, with, with that in mind, uh, do you have a lot of uh, spirits that are associated with that that might have been people who worked on the road getting it built or, or some of the early travelers that, that went down the road before everything was completely safe and we had an interstate system that you know kept an eye on these things? Well, there are... Um in Villa Ridge, the, the old Diamonds restaurant was a well-known stop on Route 66 out of St. Louis, and it became the Tritonic truck stop, which is uh, supposedly haunted by people who they think worked there before, and also right there at that area, there's a hitchhiker. Now, nobody really knows if this was somebody working on the road or, or you know, who they were, but they're associated, they're more modern-looking in appearance. So they're they're more contemporary. They're not associated with the Civil War. They're associated with evidently the restaurant when it was first built. It burned and then was rebuilt. And then the hitchhiker. He looks modern enough that he he doesn't uh, seem out of place to people if they pick him up. And he always asks to be taken to the truck stop and then he disappears. So we have reports like that of a more modern figure. Yes, more than that. I'm sorry, it might have been the home fries that did him in. <laughs> this hitchhiker, does he have red hair and a flannel shirt? I, 
I didn't get that kind of description. <laughs> Just wondering if it's one of our local legend hitchhikers made it out that far. I mean, he he might have. Uh, <laughs> somebody picked him up and gave him a ride. You know, right? Yeah, he could be all the way across there. So, uh, what, what's probably the most interesting thing that you've investigated uh, in your course with the uh, Route 66 Paranormal Alliance and going out in the field and checking out these sites? What's what's probably the one that uh, has impacted you the most? Uh, well, it's not exactly right on Route 60, Route 66. It's a little bit a little bit uh, south. There is a, but it has a history. Um, it's in a little town called Morse Mill. And it used to be a big resort right next to the big river before Lake of the Ozarks became a resort area. And Al Capone has been there, Charlie Kaplan, Charles Lindbergh, Clara Bow, Frank and Jesse James stayed there. Um, one of the first female serial killers named Bertha Gifford uh, killed her first victim there. And she, I think, ran the hotel at the time. They all and, got there from Route Yeah, Route 66. Or what became Route Right, because when Al Capone traveled, he would have traveled on Route 66 to St. Clair before heading south down to more snow. So that's a that's an interesting one. Um, Fort Leonard Wood has got a lot of military ghosts that are modern times. That's they have some pretty interesting ghosts out there. And then Pythian uh, Castle is just totally amazing. It's right on. Yeah, Sitting Castle's right on 66. And then, actually, at uh, downtown square here in Springfield, Route 66, when it comes to Springfield, it, it has two different routes. One, it goes a little bit, not quite outside of town. The other one goes right down to downtown. And the whole area in downtown is rumored to be haunted. Wild Bill Hickok killed Dave Tut right on the square, and they're supposed to be haunting there. All, a lot of the buildings right around the square and two or three blocks away have reports of ghosts and haunting. Lander's Theater has got a black void. They've got a woman who's supposed to drop her baby out of the balcony, and a man who's hung himself, all kinds of spirits in that theater. So downtown Springfield is pretty interesting. Not to mention all the uh, hangings that took place down there on the square as well. That's true. That's true. They had a, they hung a couple of uh, young black men that had been accused of raping uh, a woman. Um, so they just, the crowd, a riot broke out, and the crowd took them out of the jail and just hung them on the square. So it was, it was a lynch mob. It wasn't actual right. justice. No, no, yeah, it was a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and when about did that happen? That was, yeah. I don't remember the date right off hand either, but, yeah, it was, So, uh, is is there is there something that you trace back a lot of uh, these stories through? I mean, uh, you know, you can go out and go to the local libraries, and you can uh, go out and take all these different approaches for the research aspect, whether it be uh, you know genealogy records or town town records or anything like that. But is there like a Route sixty six like historical society? Is there a group that kind of chronicles everything that happens al- along that road? There is a Route 66 Association, um, and then the individual states all have their own uh, branches of the association. Um, So anybody who's interested in historical aspects can get online and look up 
Route 66 Association and find out all kinds of information. And if they want to join, they can join that. Or if they're in one of the states where the, the Mother Road goes to, then they can check out their own state association. Now, well, I'm sorry. Uh, is there anything that is there any spot that you want to investigate uh, that you cannot get into? Is there anything that is kind of like considered the holy grail in your area that they're just not opening the doors to people? Oh man! Uh, <laughs> let's see. There are a few places. Uh... <laughs> well, uh, I think it would be nice to get to the into the theater downtown. That would be a good one. Which one? Um, the theater downtown. Standard or Deloitte, because they're both supposed to be haunted. Deloitte both would be nice. I mean, pretty much any of the prime choice right. well, buildings downtown, I would just die to get into. Anymore, but but I, get, I don't mean that literally. <laughs> now, when you're out chronicling these stories and you're collecting these stories, and of course the book is, is uh, coming out, and it's uh, entitled Route 66 Hauntings in Missouri, The Show Me State Ghosts of the Mother Road. Uh, did you get a lot of people that were willing to come up and tell you firsthand information, or were you kind of just tracking these legends? I, I had to pretty much track the legends uh, to begin with, and then I started having some people telling me things and uh, and offering to let me use their photos and, and very different, different information. Um, but it, surprisingly, some of the ghost groups I even asked um, what they knew, and they said, oh, we don't know anything. So that's <laughs> kind of strange. But it happened. And they, the, the publisher has changed the name of the book. It's actually now called Missouri's Haunted Route 66, Ghosts Along the Mother Road. Ah. They didn't like the show me state. I like the show me aspect uh, when it comes to the paranormal. You know, show me something, and then maybe I can believe. I did, too, but the, the salespeople thought that, you know, shortening it up would be better make it more lively, so I'm going with the people who've got the experience on that. <laughs> well, we have uh, we have open phone lines if you want to call them with any questions, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. You can also join the chat. Even though we are having some issues with Fate Radio, we do have the camera up there now, and uh, you'll just have to get the audio feed from SpookySouthCoast.com from the WBSM audio feed, but you'll at least be able to see in the studio and participate in the chat room. And in the chat room, one of the questions that came up was actually for Alicia, uh, and that's whether or not the stories of these hauntings alter at all along the road. As you're going down Route 66, do the stories kind of change? Do you hear stories about the same ghosts, but it's just a different circumstance somewhere down the road? Well, I think every state has their version of the hitchhiker, to tell you the honest truth. Um, I've traveled up and down it quite a bit. I travel back and forth um, between California and Missouri quite often have throughout my childhood. And I, I will say the one thing that does vary is, is as you get closer to California, um, the, the stories do change. Uh, you got your, your, your type of uh, you know, desert hauntings, which always tend to be more uh, lights and whatnot. And mm-hmm. then you got your small town hauntings, which tends to be your hitchhiker or that... Uh, white girl walking on the side of the road. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it does vary from town to town, but as you get closer to the coast, uh, the stories seem a lot more modern. Um, as you go more towards the Midwest, the stories do get older. And uh, they, they, they have a, a more uh, taste of uh, 
to them. You know, people see more things as, as they get older. And I, I, I was really drawn to the Midwest because of the history of the hauntings here. And uh, I, I really do uh, I, uh, I do think uh, you guys have it. You, know, you guys, you're lucky. You live on that side. Your ghosts are older. Um, you know, here over on the West Coast, we, we, we don't have buildings that have the history. And, uh, and uh, I think you guys are lucky for that one reason. Well, just I think the buildings with the history, they, they tend to have the better stories. Well, just because they're older doesn't mean that they're more active, though. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's all in it's all in where the uh, where the factors are to help increase the ability to perceive the paranormal. I think, uh, but yeah. one one of the questions that that came up in the chat too is whether or not uh, there is a curse on Route sixty six. Is it is it actually a cursed road? Is that why there's so much uh, tragedy associated with it, or is it just because it was such a high volume traffic area for such a long time? I think it was just because of the high volume of, of traffic. Yeah. And when people first started taking to tourism, um, traveling at night was very dangerous because there just there wasn't gas stations every few miles. There wasn't a lot of lights along the road. There wasn't places to stop and 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 that were safe. You know, uh, they were taken advantage of by disreputable mechanics and and. Uh, towns are farther apart than what they are now because traffic was slower and it wasn't built up. So if they got stuck out in the middle of the road at night, it could be very dangerous for them. And I think it was just the uh, uh, plus the conditions of the road. A lot of the road originally was just dirt or gravel or out towards west, it, it might have been paved, uh, had planks down when the road first opened up. It didn't start out as a paved road. It started out as like old wire roads for telegraphing and everything. So a lot of people were traveling down a lot of just dirt roads in, in very dangerous conditions to begin with. Mm-hmm. And there is also the the aspect, too, of when, or when something such as Route 66 becomes so prevalent in American mythology, uh, you kind of have to attach some ghosts to it as well. And that's yeah. kind of goes with the territory of becoming... Famous like that, right? All right. Well, why don't we take a break? We'll we'll, we'll take a quick break here, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about some of the ghosts and legends of Route sixty six. Let's let's get into some more of maybe some of the other paranormal aspects of the road when we come back, and we'll also take your calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty, and of course uh, in the chat room at Fate Radio FateMag dot com slash Fate Radio, which you can get to right on the all new. Totally improved. Got to go to it every day. SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll talk about that later as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. From the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South. Well, if you ever plan to motor west, Jack, take my way. It's the highway. That's the best. Get your kicks. <laughs> well, I, I, I would have said on Route 66, what happened there? Something paranormal. <laughs> when you, Matt, 
when you steal songs off the internet, you have to t- listen to them afterwards to make sure they work. All right, duly noted. <laughs> you have to make sure that they're actually songs and not Bill Clinton saying, uh, I want you to go to this website. <laughs> All right, welcome, <laughs> welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Also broadcasting on Fate Radio with audio and video. We fixed it. I uh, don't know why, but it's it's working now. And uh, we are talking about the legends and lore of Route 66 with our guests Janice Tremere, Alicia Holder, and the group from Route 66 Paranormal Alliance. And uh, you can also call us at 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. And you can also go to the chat room on Fate Radio as well. Just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click Live Video and Chat. And, of course, you're going to get totally distracted by the new SpookySouthCoast.com while you're there, but we'll talk about that later on. And, Janice, we were talking, uh, I mentioned before the break that we were going to kind of look at some of the other aspects of Route 66. I'm guessing, considering the expanse of the road and the terrain it goes through, there must be a lot of UFO sightings along this road as well. Hello? Janice, Alicia, anybody? I'm here. Is Janice there? <laughs> well, Alicia, how about you? <laughs> are you, are you familiar with any UFO stories along the road? Um, I don't have any notes on me on hand, but I, I've heard of several. Um, wow. So we lost Janice. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> happening there, but uh, why don't we, uh, Matt, if you want to disconnect that call and they can see if they can call back in. Yeah, because she's got all the research with her tonight. <laughs> and... Um, but, uh, no, as far as, uh... <laughs> and we lost her, too. This is just not our night. All right. Why don't you uh, try and give them a call back in? And, and Moniz and I will kick it freestyle. Yeah, there we go. Well, Moniz, you've been actually all over this country. Uh, have you had a chance to travel Route 66 at all? Only a small portion of it. Only, And um, it was all of about maybe you know 10 15 miles of it unfortunately we were on your bike or uh no i was in a rented van <laughs> ah, so well someday i'm sure you'd like to just throw a backpack on and hop on the bike and just head head down there i would uh some of the areas it goes through is uh great great places to cruise through i've known people that have ridden it and of course i mean i've read kerouac you know on the road and stuff like that you know that that's required reading in uh, certain circles, you know, especially <laughs> <In> your <laughs> circles for sure. That but, and Sonny Barga's book. Yep, Sonny's a nice guy. I, I, his, I know. Bo- his book was great. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, as, as you go along these mythical roads, though, uh, you just end up having all these stories that are going to build up. Uh, it, as long as there's some sort of Americana associated with it, there's going to be some sort of legend associated with it as well. And we see that here in our own area. You know, as long as there's uh, a site of historic significance in some fashion, there's going to be some sort of historic ghost tied into it. And You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago with, with Jeff Belanger and this idea of legend tripping, but really, people do that. When they're out on the road, they want to stop and they want to see some of these spots. And if you, you know, you stop in Minnesota to see the biggest ball of twine, <laughs> you know, you stop in wherever to see the, the biggest banana cream pie ever made, you know, that's part of this. That's part of the same thing as going along the road and checking out the different supposed haunted sites. Uh, but when you can bring in an investigative team like the Route 66 Paranormal Alliance and they have the ability to go and actually verify some of these hauntings and find evidence of these hauntings, uh, then it kind of brings it all together and it becomes more than just American mythology. It becomes yeah paranormal history. Well, you got to figure that road had, uh, you know, been the main thoroughfare throughout 
through the country, at least from the Midwest out to the West Coast for, what was it, 30, 40 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to figure a road with that much people on it, traveling back and forth and all of that accidents that have happened, there's got to be a few souls still wandering back and forth on it uh, just because of sheer numbers. You know what, by the time we get them back on, it's going to be time to go anyway. Are you able to get anybody on or... All right, let's just go with Alicia then. Hello, Alicia, you with us? Yes, I'm back. All right, I'm really, really sorry about these technical issues, but we're we're no up we're, we're up against the break anyway. So, um, if uh, hopefully if Janice can call back in, uh, we can bring her on as well. But uh, you know, it's it's as we were saying, you know, you, you get the chance to actually go out and investigate these sites. And here's Janice. I think we can bring her back in now. There you are, Janice. Hello. Hi. All right. Good. See what happens. This, you. Oh. this is what happens. You start talking about the paranormal and and weird <laughs> things start going on with the technology here. It happens all the time. <laughs> We're That's used to it. Right. So uh, we we've actually only got about three minutes left here in the hour. But uh, it, when the book comes out, it's it's coming out in October, right? Right. And I think you're going to be able to open up. Uh, the whole idea of these Route 66 hauntings to a lot of people, not just the ones that you're going to cover uh, in Missouri, but also all along the road. And I think we're going to start to hear a lot more of these stories coming through because this is one of those roads that I think uh, the older generation, they remember it, but the newer generation, they're on the interstates and they're on the highways and they're not they're not traveling down road like this. And maybe it'll get them back out there and it'll get them to appreciate it. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'm hoping to do books on uh, the other states that Route 66 goes through, too. Um, whenever my publisher asked me if, if I thought there was enough stories in, uh, on Route 66 to do a book, I said, there's enough stories here in Springfield to do a book. So I chose just Missouri because I'm from Missouri and I was more familiar with the area and the stories here anyway. And uh, uh, there's a lot that I had to leave out just because... I, I had a word count that I had to, to fill, and, and it was just too, too many stories for the size book that we had, but um, I really plan on starting with Illinois and going on through all the way to California. And uh, when you have uh, such a, a long geography to cover uh, to catch some of these stories, I think you'll really start to see more and more of them overlap. And what we were talking about before, of a lot of these similar spirits that are, the story is sl- slightly different, but it's essentially the same thing that you're talking about. And, you know, when people realize that, then you're going to see people just packing up and heading right up and down that road trying to track down the differences in these spirits. I think so, too. All right, well, hopefully we can talk more uh, when the book comes out. And, uh, you know, because we, we fully support History Press authors here on Spooky South Coast. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk to you more in the future. And, and for now, just keep protecting that mother road and, and, and taking care of that part of our history. And, uh, we appreciate the fact that somebody is still out there chronicling what's going on there and that it's, it's, it may be forgotten for people traveling across the country, but it's not forgotten in the paranormal world. No, it isn't. And, and surprisingly enough with the associations for Route 66, there's a lot of people just interested in the history and preserving the road itself uh, that doesn't have any connection with the paranormal, just the, the history, you know, like the roadside attractions and things that sure. are disappearing. All right, well, thank you very much. Uh, we will talk to you again soon. Again, Janice Tremere and Alicia Holden and the group from Route 66 Paranormal Alliance. We'll be right back after the news. We're going to talk to Derek Bartlett and then later on Chris Balzano. Stay tuned for more here on Spooky South Coast. 
quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? Scare me happening, man. This isn't happening. Spooky soap. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, broadcasting live on Fate Radio. Go to fatemag.com slash fate radio or go to spookysouthcoast.com, the all-new spookysouthcoast.com, and click right on the live video and chat link there, and we can actually interact with you during the show uh, in the chat room. And uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Balzano, our content director, is hanging out there now, and he's going to join us a little bit later on on the show to give us a Balzano breakdown. And I'm just going to throw this out there and tease it that uh, – Chris's long-awaited theme song will debut tonight for the Balzano Breakdown. Whether or not it's terrible and it sticks around for the next breakdown is a different story, but we'll at least have it tonight. So we'll, uh, we'll debut that later on when Chris joins us at the bottom of this hour. But joining us on the line right now, we have Derek Bartlett, the founder of the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society, and he's actually out there in the field tonight uh, at an event. How's, how's things going, Derek? It's doing very well. And yourself? Oh, we're spooktacular, as we say here. Always. So, now, you're actually at the old jail tonight? Yeah, I'm at the oldest wooden jail in the United States of America. And uh, and what kind of uh, phenomena is reported there? Um, hold on. Sorry, guys. I actually had to step out of the building. Um, we actually, uh, it's the oldest wooden jail in the United States of America, and uh, there have been uh, small things that had happened over the years, but, you know, people have seen a man with bare feet, um, dark, shadowy figures, two of them, a small little child. So there's a total of five entities that are in there. We've had people touched, you know, hair, uh, hair pulled. Uh, the most common thing, though, is whispers um, and sniffing of hair, of women's hair. Wow. Yeah. So it's Moniz, is what you're saying. <laughs> he, he's been known to do that as well. But uh, So now, is this... Is the old jail going to be part of this weekend when you have the uh, the Haunted America East Coast Conference? Because I know there's some mentions of some special after-hours events. Yeah, there is. Um, Friday and Saturday night. Unfortunately, Friday night's already sold out because I only allow eight people into this building because the building is tiny. It's not like your typical you know, state penitentiary or even county jail. Mm-hmm. This is a jail that held 32 people tops, you know, three community jail cells. Um, Saturday night is still open, and... Uh, I only allow eight people in there, uh, plus one of my investigators to oversee the whole project. And, yeah, that's one of many uh, things going on. We have uh, haunted harbor cruises late at night and as well as haunted tours, walking tours going on. So, I mean, it sounds like it's uh, the best of what you offer all the time kind of just condensed into one weekend. Yeah, plus, uh, you know, having uh, speakers from coming from across the country to come and lecture for the weekend. 
And and what a lineup! I mean, uh, your, yourself and Troy Taylor are going to be the hosts. Uh, that alone is is worth the price of admission for the stories that you guys can tell. But you've also got Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Bob Merch, Dwayne Cloud, Bob Honeycutt, some guy named Jeff Belanger. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you know if there's something paranormal going on, you got to invite him. He's only a few hours away. Uh, less than an hour. Yeah, he's right up the street. <laughs> so, but I mean, it definitely, it sounds like an, an outstanding lineup, and it sounds like there's going to be a lot of uh, different discussions going in different directions, so it, it's going to be a, a great overview of the paranormal. Yeah, especially for here on the, the East Coast. I mean, Troy's out in Illinois, and uh, Rosemary has just moved to Connecticut. Um, we got people from Pennsylvania, but a lot of them are from the New England area. Like, Dwayne is kind of New York, but uh, Jeff is from here, and uh, Robert Murch from here. You know, uh, from Massachusetts, they're going to be coming out. And, yeah, it's a great lineup. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things um, you ask and they, they shall come out, uh, you know, just to come to the Cape. They they said, you know, a lot of these people have not been to the Cape, uh, you know, with over 400 years of history and a lot of ghost stories. They're actually excited to, first of all, come out and lecture, but also have other things to do and come and see on the Cape as well. And, and it's pretty groundbreaking because it's the first conference that's actually taken place on Cape Cod. Yeah, there have been a couple of attempts of conferences, but they have failed. But this one is going pretty strong forward. You know, there's limited seating, there's 150 seats, and, you know, we're almost halfway full easily, or over halfway full. Um, and uh, the, the, the overnight events are filling up quickly. And we, I have a lot of friends or uh, associates in the field that said, oh, I'll be there, but I haven't bought tickets yet. So I just can't wait until this week, you know, that goes by, and all of a sudden, boom, it's old sold out but it is the first one for cape cod to actually see this and we're, we're hoping to make it a an annual event not just at the i mean granted the cape cod community college how fun is that no it's not next year we already have uh possibly if it this goes without a hitch is doing a conference in a, a giant haunted location um actually inside of a building that's pretty well known here on the cape well, and, and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. Like, I talk to people from the Cape all the time, and they say, hey, where can I go to learn more? And I always direct everybody to the free open meetings on Friday nights, uh, the last Friday of every month, right, at Cape Cod Community College? That's correct. And I say, go there, talk with Derek and his group, listen to their presentations. They bring in great speakers, and you get to learn a lot. But then get out there and actually experience the different haunts for yourself. And they, they say, well, there's no haunted spots on Cape Cod. <laughs> don't yeah, you know, say that. Well, j- just a bit. Feel free to come up and ask me. I, you know, I don't harbor all the haunted spots. You know, they're not my little secrets. I want to tell them the exact history and the hauntings, and feel free to go on their own, too, as well. But, I mean, that's just the thing. They just don't seem to have the the PR, necessarily, that other haunts have uh, on the Cape. Everything's kind of kept buttoned up, and, and people don't realize what a great paranormal history there is there. Yeah, with over 400 years of history, and we have uh, the ocean, you know, right there that actually holds a lot of the energy that for 250 years, at least of hauntings that I can go back as, that are still active to this day, um, you know, the water has a great part of it to play with it, especially on both sides of this little peninsula. Um, it retains the energy, and it, and it keeps it, con- you know, keeps it flowing. Uh, Barnstable Village, uh, right down the street from the tour, and actually with the, um, from the conference, where the tours are being held, has, has I could tell you in a one-mile walk, seven and a half hours worth of ghost stories easily mm-hmm. you know and that's just one little small blip on the map here on the cape 
but from Provincetown all the way up to Sandwich and in between, you know, feel free to reach out to me. And if you are planning a weekend, not say the conference, but coming down and want to check out some haunted locations, feel free to uh, give give my office a call, which is 508-771-2725. Drop me an email, dbartlett at capers.com, and ask me where the spots are. Say you're staying in East Ham, you know. I can point you out where the old East Ham Tavern was, where the two pirates from the Widow, you know, you know, that's just a cool history spot, but there's a ghost there on the property, you know, places and, like that. And, and what's fascinating to me is uh, sometimes uh, a lot of the spirits that are on the Cape, they can kind of cross over. Uh, there's one story, uh, being a Wareham guy, that we hear about this uh, illuminated blue woman who's spotted going up and down the canal on our side, and then she's also spotted on Sandwich out on that side as well. Right, right, um, uh, especially on the ocean. Now, the whole funny thing was is a lot of people said, Ghosts can't travel over bodies of water like they go over bridges and they vanish. <laughs> Come on, we have ghost ships out here on Cape Cod and in what they call the gray ladies, uh, widows still waiting for their husbands to return that can be seen on the ocean, you know, walking the beaches. You know, it, it's one of these great things to have the ocean as another haunted spot. And now one of the uh, one of the ships that's actually seen out there is actually Bartholomew Gosnold's ship, right? The, the first English explorer to really spend time out there. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, he, you have to fill me in. Oh, he screwed over some natives. Uh, he stole their canoe out in the uh, out in the islands, and uh, what ended up happening is they they kind of put a curse on him, and now his ship is seen out there. Huh? So the, where what town? Uh, actually, it's it's out off the coast of Cuttyhunk, uh, is oh. where it's usually seen. Okay. Okay. And uh, he he was actually uh, they call him history's forgotten man. I really only recently found out about him uh, doing some research myself. But it's just amazing how much he's tied into uh, a lot of the paranormal stuff around here. Mainly because he kind of pissed off the Indians <laughs> while he was here, and and that kind of uh, led to some just desserts uh, in his afterlife. So, but uh, there there's so much history as you said here, uh, and when you start digging away at the paranormal and you start really getting into it, you start uncovering all this cool history about the Cape that people just don't know to begin with. I mean, everybody thinks of it as being a vacation spot or uh, or a place where, you know, salty old curmudgeons live year-round. They don't realize that it's actually so key to the survival of this colony when it first started, the Cape was. Yeah, you know, uh, Barnstable Village, actually Sandwich was one of the first incorporated towns here on the Cape, uh, 1639. You know, I have a building right down the street where, I mean, I'm in the oldest wooden jail in the United States of America, built in 1690 by the order of Massachusetts and Plymouth Bay Colony Courts. But right down the street, there's a building that was used as parsonage for the Reverend John Lothrop that was built in 1644. You know, and that's, that's, that is the beginning times, mm -hmm. you know, for around here. And um, in this village right down the street, some people might know this gentleman, if I say his name is Herman Melville. <laughs> especially especially what we're broadcasting. Yeah, you know, Herman Melville wrote a famous book called Moby Dick. That building where he started that art that book is right down the street. The house where he started lived on the second floor, you know, with his future wife and his father in law was Lemuel Shaw, you know, lived right down the street. You know, that famous book, Moby Dick. And well, what's interesting is the Siemens Bethel uh, yep. is also haunted. Yeah, and uh, the it, it, I guess everywhere Melville touched, he kind of left some <laughs> some energy behind. But oh yeah, he was a strange, strange character. 
What one question I had for you in all the uh, investigations that you've done on the Cape? Have you had an, uh, an, a, a chance to check out the Dillingham House? Because I know that it's since been uh, no longer a bed and breakfast, and they're not really opening the doors for investigations. But I was wondering if you ever got to check that out in Sandwich. I did uh, years ago when uh, when it was finally ending as a bed and breakfast. I went in there because I did hear the ghost stories. We were talking about two thousand one, and unfortunately for that. The Dillingham House and the Dillingham family, you know, the hauntings did happen. They do happen. But as a bed and breakfast, the guy, the gentleman tried to promote it so much as a haunted hotspot that nothing was happening, so he got a bad bum rap, and that's why he couldn't keep it going because, mm-hmm. you know, ghosts don't come out on command. You know, if they could, instead of ghost tours, we'd be having ghost shows. You know, <laughs> come on out, you know, join us. But that's what happened. It's got a bad rap because he promoted it so much. But the Dillingham House is a right off exit two off of uh, what we call Route 6, Route 6 here on the Cape. Mm-hmm. You take a left, you go into Sandwich Village, stay to your left, follow one 132, uh, excuse me, I do apologize, um, don't know the route number. Stay left, you'll come to a red salt box building right next to the road on the right-hand side, and it does mention Dillingham House. It's famous. Um, police officers have been called to that building numerous times over the years. And, and what's interesting is uh, the Dillinghams, through the generations, Benjamin Dillingham ended up uh, coming here to Fairhaven, where we're broadcasting out of, and uh, he was one of the people that helped build Fort Phoenix, which is haunted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he had a descendant of his, also named Benjamin Dillingham, who went out to Hawaii to start industry out there when, when we, people first started going out there and, and starting businesses out there, and not only is his spirit seen on Oahu, but his son, who died in World War II, haunts a school out there. So it's it's really kind of it's all in the family here when it comes to the paranormal in this neck of the woods. Yeah, it, uh, it is one of those big uh, things. And right down the street from the Dillingham House is the old town cemetery, and where you can find the, the original Dillinghams in Sandwich buried. Wow! You know, it, it is. It's one of those family names or traits that get passed down from generation. You know, that either you're haunted or cursed, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, I know some families around here on the Cape, you know, like the Crockers, very great family, good family name, but a lot of their family descendants are ghosts, still haunting Cape Cod. It's, I mean, and it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, a lot of these older spots that we're talking about, too. They're, these older spirits have permeated to the new development as well. I hear so many people telling me about they moved into a condo or they moved into something and, and it's haunted. And they're like, I don't understand. I just, they just built it. How can it be haunted? Well, of course, you know, the land, you mm-hmm. know, with 400 years of history and Cape Cod building up or Massachusetts in general, they're probably building on someone's old piece of property and, Something really wants to enjoy company, hasn't seen in a long time, so they move in. You know, it, it, it's still hard to understand the paranormal. You know, we don't know why new buildings become haunted. Is it a spirit that's attracted to the building because it's finally built? Is it built on a old location that was haunted at one time? You know, or is it the family that they're bringing their energy or another entity with them and they finally realize it's them, you know? It's still hard to understand in the field. And you're, you're dealing with a, a smaller geographical area, and you've got a lot of ghosts concentrated there. So, you know, you can't help but bump into one lawyer there. Yeah, like the old jail. Um, we only thought it was haunted by a woman. Um, and I heard the story 2001. Now there's five of them. We actually believe because we go ghost hunting in the building, trying to communicate with the women 
and uh, and we get a EVPs clear as day, class A we call it. Um, we ask who's here, and we get a man saying Joel Smith and a woman saying Mary. Wow. Now, the thing is, is that we contact Joel Smith and Mary over and over. Well, you know something, there might be other spirits around that could hear this. Uh, you know, I don't know if they can or not, but now we have five that are entered the jail. Now, are they originally prisoners? We believe not. We believe they're actually from around town that are just drawn because we're communicating with the dead are trying to, and they want to make themselves known. You kind of just turn that light on and they all come running. Yeah. Yeah, if it works like that. Yeah. Well, uh, so, and this is some of the stuff that people can experience for themselves when they go out to the 2010 Haunted America East Coast Conference, August 27th and 28th, West Barnstable, Massachusetts. Uh, tickets, like you said, they're limited, but they are still available. Uh, the conference tickets themselves are, what, $75? Yeah, $75 in the after-hour events, uh, you know, uh, are separate for themselves. But if you want to do the Haunted Overnight, all the money and proceeds for Haunted Overnights that we do every Saturday night, Throughout the season and at the conference, the money goes to the old jail um, to preserve it. Excellent, and that's uh, the paranormal responsibility for people who are out there and, and you know have the opportunity to check out these locations. You got to give a little something to keep them going. Yes. All right. Well, uh, good luck with the conference, and uh, hopefully, you know, this is the first of many, many for you guys down there. Yeah, and you know, and we'll we'll keep on talking because hopefully we'll have Spooky South Coast out here during the conference as well. Excellent, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be sure to let you know if we hear of any new cases out there that develop any new ghost stories. We always say anybody on the Cape, you know, call Capers because they're the they're the first or the best. Okay, thank you. All right, have a good night. Stay safe out there. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. All right, well, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll talk with our content director here on Spooky South Coast, Christopher Balzano. But we're going to make him go back to his old role for a little bit. We're going to make him go back to the Balzano breakdowns. And uh, he'll be joining us in just a few minutes. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. We have taken control as to bring you this special show. Spooky South Coast is back. Everybody be cool. You be cool. All right, now that is a clip that I like because that is a movie about real vampires. Those are what vampires are supposed to be. They're supposed to be undead, they're supposed to be evil, they're supposed to be negative, they're supposed to attack you, and they're supposed to be Mexican. Those five things are the requirements for all vampires. Not this Edward Cullen crap. Not this uh, Vampire Diaries bogus true blood Somebody garbage. doesn't have a raw pants. Huh? I said somebody doesn't have a raw pants. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But uh, I definitely don't think that I have one. I'm sorry that I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. I will say this. Uh, if you if you do want to rent from dusk till dawn, uh, be prepared to be quoting it nonstop. By the way, skip the sequels. Yeah, don't yeah. watch those. Those are those aren't even real. Those don't yeah. exist in my mind. Uh, those <laughs> that might as well be Twilight. I think as they have four, don't they? Something like that. Yeah. Most of them were direct to video. Yeah. But uh, you know, the original is still the best, and, and without a doubt, the best George Clooney movie, bar none. So, sorry, Batman fans. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of George Clooney, we have a guy who looks oddly like him here joining us on the line. Uh, and before we get into it with Chris Balzano for one of his Balzano breakdowns, we have, as promised, his brand new theme. 
and roll it, Costa. There you go, about 35 seconds longer than it needs to be. What do you think, Chris? You like that, or should we yeah, try I heard again? None of that. Huh? I heard none of that. I heard none of that. Well, that's your fault. Get a better phone. <laughs> All right, I'll hear, wait for it on the podcast. You'll, and it'll be available as instant audio on SpookySouthCoast.com. Yes, it will. So, uh, and we'll on ta- my ringtone. <laughs> we'll talk more about SpookySouthCoast.com coming up later on in the show, but uh, you wanted to, to, to share with us one of your patented Balzano breakdowns on these road legends that we talked about earlier in the show, and it's something that I know you've been tracking pretty much from the beginning of your paranormal career. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, for people who are learning to investigate, want to be the best investigator they can be, want to learn kind of all aspects of what it takes to kind of be a successful investigator and researcher, roads are the way to go. Stay out of the cemeteries, stay out of the hotels, you know, that are, that are going to charge you all this money for, for guided tours and things like that. This, this is the way to go. They are kind of like the front line of the paranormal. Um, because for every redheaded hitchhiker, you know, story that's out there that you can't really get a firm hold on any information about it, there's one that people are seeing in modern times. Um, so it's really one of these situations where there are all these legends out there. There's all these kind of stories. There's all these things that may be based on truth. And yet, you know, I can tell you from from doing the, um, the the Ghost Village News is that these stories, these new reports are coming up all the time. People are seeing these things. And it's one of those things where people have, are actually having these experiences. And then you get into the reliability of witnesses. You get into, you know, whether you know, you know they're suffering from road hypnosis. Um, and there's so many different variants that it really is something that you can just kind of make road to your playground for uh, for an entire paranormal career. Well, but there's also a lot of triggers, I think, too, that make people associate things with roads. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we were talking about the, you know, you see the crosses on the side of the road from people who have perished on that road, so you know that there have been deaths associated with it. Or if there's a story like here with uh, the highway killings, you know, there's there's these negative things that are attached to the roads that are kind of playing in your mind as you're traveling down them. Right, and, and one of the things that we were kind of discussing in the chat room was, you know, when these roads become famous enough, like whether it's, Route 66, whether it's, you know, 44, whether it's um, 195, or, or, or a great, another, another great one is one uh, that goes out to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. These roads get famous enough. What you have are things that happen far away from the, these roads, kind of becoming attached to them. So all of a sudden, stories that happen miles away from where this road actually happened become these road stories. And so it, it's, it's one of those things where um, um, a, a negative story and negative energy kind of find their way into these into these roadways. And, of course, they're also the ones that date back, the ones that can be kind of traced back throughout history from, you know, I always bring up Pele, the, you know, the, the, the volcano god, to the great lore of, of Britain, to, you know, just kind of, <laughs> even the Bible, these great, you know, kind of going along a road, coming to a crossroad. Um, these, these are the things that inspire us, kind of like spark something in our human nature about it. 
Well, I guess you can kind of, you're tying in the idea of the unknown traveling down the road. You don't know what's ahead. And so why not have it be something of a, of a paranormal nature? But also when you think of the figurative meaning of roads where people are, are kind of making that decision in their life and they might look for a little guidance. They might look for a little sign and that can be interpreted as something paranormal as well. Yeah. And then of course the whole, you know, one of the, the, you know, when we look into the paranormal, one of the things that draws people, one of the things that, that keeps people who aren't paranormal investigators, keeps them going back to to the books, to the TV shows, and to the movies, is are, are these ideas of our own mortality and what a great symbol you have there, being lost on this road, being on the road, being on that kind of trying to get to some place um, for the rest of your life or the rest of your afterlife. And that's something that's, you know, both appealing because, you know, you can kind of, it draws you in, but also that kind of repulsive part of the paranormal where you're like, ooh, if I, if I ever were to die, I want to make sure I get to my destination, that there is an end road, that I'm not trapped on this one stretch of highway. I guess out of all the places that you can be, you can have your spirit tied to, uh, a road is, is a pretty lonely place because you're, you're dealing with people who are just kind of coming by you. They're not really staying. And, and uh, you never get where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see that here with, uh, you know, the road legends that we have where it's a, a supposedly somebody who's stuck on that road and, you know, desperate to interact with people. Of course, he does it in a, albeit not so pleasant manner. But, uh, and, and the redheaded hitchhiker story that we always talk about here on Spooky South Coast is, is something that is associated with pretty much every road. Somebody's going to tell you a story about somebody who died on that road and whose spirit haunts it and, you can see them in the back seat of your car as you're traveling down there. I mean, you've been chronicling this for years now. Uh, is it just one of those common threads where it's it's the setup creates the story? The fact that there is this long, desolate road creates that story, or is it tragedy associated with it, or is it just a cool story that gets transported from one place to another? I think the the story itself kind of becomes universal. Um, once again, you know, in the chat room, someone was, uh, someone referenced Large Marge. It's something that's a huge part of pop culture, this idea of the phantom hitchhiker, this idea of the, the lonely spirit on the road. Uh, it's reinforced by, you know, shows like, you know, if you remember the old uh, the old hitchhiker TV show where he would go on the, he was on this road and, you know, crazy things would happen to him. That There's that whole concept of it. But what I think is, is that these spirits actually do exist. Um, people are seeing these all the time until they fall back on the elements of, of the, the, the red-headed hitchhiker or another hitchhiker-type legend that they hear, you know, and it's and it's it's interesting that a lot of the a lot of the urban legend lores are moments. They're not necessarily this stretch of road, but they're but they're and, and this happens, but they're actually more of like someone had this experience, and so that kind of becomes ingrained. So either a you're driving down and 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 you're allowing kind of pop culture in a subconscious way to infect you. Or B, something happens to you and you, and I talk about this all the time, you run it through that filter and all of a sudden this thing that's not explained um, becomes part of your reality. You know, it becomes part of like, oh, wow, I can fall back on this. This is what I know. And I think there's a really great, um, there's a really great thing where you know, I was speaking, I think I've talked to you uh, on air about this before when I was talking to Alan Alves, who is a hypnosis, uh, hypnotist now, and he was talking about how you know, you're, when you're driving, especially driving someplace that you know very well, your brain falls into a hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you hallucinate, but rather that it opens up a part of your, your mind that's not 
uh, that's that's kind of closed off during the day and closed off in your normal routine, and then all of a sudden, your your the creative brain, the brain that allows possibilities, starts to see these things. So it's one of those things where there could be ghosts all over the place, but because we're in the right situation at the right time, we've got that lore in the background. All of a sudden, we're allowed to have experiences. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I'm I'm a narcoleptic, and driving is one of those things where it it kind of that's when I lull. You know, that's when I I, I have narcolepsy without cataplexy so i fall asleep but i don't close my eyes and so driving especially driving on a highway is when you can kind of slip into that pretty easily uh and i can tell you that in in my experiences i find that uh, i'm almost more alert because of that you know knowing that i might be in that situation where i might fall asleep where i might doze i overcompensate and I become over-aware of things. And maybe that's also a case with people that are traveling down these roads where they become over-aware. Um, for example, I live on a road where there are spirits uh, that supposedly walk across the street who are cranberry workers who were killed. And so I know people, when they're riding down that, they're over-aware looking for that. So they might see something and mistake it as being that. Uh, once it has that legend attached to it, it's almost like you're looking for it, and you should be keeping your eyes on the road. <laughs> that's... Just an or, you know, perhaps you're so hyper-diligent that, you know, that you're actually seeing things that you normally wouldn't see just out of passing gaze. Yeah, I mean, or, or you could be uh, also, you know, manifesting it yourself as well. But, I mean, we're getting into the the uh, nuts and bolts here of the paranormal. Is there, when you see these road legends and, and you see the, the correlations between a lot of them, uh, is there something in you as somebody who chronicles, chronicles these that wants to... Uh, kind of, you know, say to people, hey, that's the same spirit that's seen here. Has anybody ever thought of maybe thinking it's the same ghost going from one spot to another? Or do you kind of just take it as their own representation of that particular area? Yeah, well, I never try to, like, you know, put my um, ideas on them during, mm-hmm. like, an interview process um, because I don't want <laughs> to, they have enough things that are telling them what it is. You know, like we were talking about pop culture and kind of just, the paranormal media that's out there, um, but I would I would definitely say that when I'm having that, my mind is flipping through those things. Yeah. You know, could this be the same spirit uh, in one place as in another place? Um, uh, the ghost train of, of once again another chat room discussion. People should really go into the chat room during the show. Um, was like the, the the train of Lincoln, how it's seen in different places at different times. Um, you know, I, it possibly could be, but I really think that the majority of these are isolated. Situations that there's just so many, um, there's just so many things that can happen on these roads in a bad way um, that you know really pockets can develop all across the country independently. Because I would just love now Route 44 for those who don't know, uh, that's the one that our predominant our our predominant road legends associated with the redheaded hitchhiker. But Route 44 actually starts in Plymouth and it goes out to Texas. So it's a very long stretch of road. I would love to just be, have the opportunity someday to hop on that road and just start driving, you know, southwest and seeing how long we can see this story sustaining itself. You know, at what point does the redheaded hitchhiker become a blonde hitchhiker or a female hitchhiker and to just travel down and, and watch the evolution of that legend from place to place? Yeah, and then, of course, the best thing is that here's where the researcher part of being a paranormal investigator comes in is finding, you know, potential people that fit those descriptions. <clears throat> you know, redheaded hitchhiker, we're not, excuse me, we're not really able to track down who it might be, but maybe that redheaded, I mean, the blonde hitchhiker, we can. And so that's when it starts to become 
huh, is this real or is this not real? Is this, is this uh, a paranormal situation or is it a, you know, much more of a, um, a legend happening? And I think uh, that a lot of people, as you travel down that road, you know, if you were the one that goes in there and mentions, you know, if you just walk into a bar, say, or uh, walk into a convenience store somewhere along that road and you say, hey, are there any good ghost legends around here? You know, you're not really going to get a lot of people. are going to kind of turn a, a, a stink eye toward you. But if you go in there and say, hey, I'm traveling down the road and I'm, I'm following this spirit that supposedly hops in the back of the car, then you're going to hear all kinds of people. You know, when you just give them that little bit of the story to open the door for them, obviously you don't want to influence them in the way that they're telling the story, but if you can just give them that little bit, they're going to light up because they have been hearing this, they have been discussing this their whole lives. Uh, and they don't really see these road legends necessarily as being ghosts, if you get what I mean. Right, and, and then I think you know, the opposite happens as well, is that there's a lot of these people who... Who you know? It's one of those situations where when someone shares an experience, it always kind of comes out that this happened to me. Uh, and then, of course, you have the other part of it, which is, you know, the the um, you know, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to someone else. Or here's the story that's attached to it. Or here's a legend. Very few people I hear of, you know, the the for example, if there's three people, they'll appear in the fourth car, actually having that experience. Instead. Mm-hmm. It's, I have this experience. Oh, did you know that there's this legend in this town that kind of reflects that? Well, you know, you brought up something interesting, and it's kind of a, a sidetrack a little bit here, but I always wonder what your thoughts are when you hear those stories, when people say that, you know, this didn't happen to me, but it happened to someone I know. When you hear that statement, do you look at that, being a researcher and a chronicler of these stories, as being uh, somebody passing on secondhand information, or do you look at that as a defense mechanism of somebody trying to separate themselves from a story that they did experience but they don't want to admit to? What, what, what pops into your mind first, usually? Well, that's the beauty of investigating, is that, that that's really an individual-type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of them that tell me those stories share their experience and then all of a sudden share a legend that's in that area. So it's almost like what you're saying is that, yeah, they want to justify what happened to them by saying other people have had it. And then, of course, other people have not experience and say, oh, you know, I'm completely attributing it to this. Like, no, it's probably just your tire went flat. It's not that the ghost popped it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really one of the, it's, 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 I think the beauty of investigating is being in touch with those people and kind of talking about both sides of that. Because, see, when it's a ghost story and somebody says that it didn't happen to them and it happened to somebody else, I'll, I'll take that at face value, but if it's a story about an embarrassing sexual situation, I'm like, no, that was totally you that that happened to. <laughs> yeah. I'm not buying Well, and, and, and of course, it's a situation like someone says, and I'm not willing to give you the name, and, you know, and then, of course, the degrees of it, if it's a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, or if it's just people say, you obviously have to put an entirely different weight on that than anything else. Yeah, well, you can write an entire book with people say, because I did. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> but, uh... The, I mean, the good thing, though, about these road legends is that, as I said, you know, the road is something where people feel like uh, they can detach themselves from it because it's the road. It's not their house. It's not where they work. It's not where they spend all their time. It's the road. It's something that they travel on to get from one destination to another so they don't have as much attachment to it individually. So does that mean truck stops would be a great source to collect stories? Truck stops should be avoided at all costs. <laughs> Unless you're well, actually, if you uh, if you read um, if you read uh, uh, what is it, uh, Strange Highway, um, 
the other Coleman's book, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of that, you know, reflects kind of his, his, not only his childhood, but also his time, you know, working the road. So I think truck stops are a great place to get stories from, personally. And some good chow. See, no, see, truck stops bring up bad memories for me. But let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Chris Balzano. How you doing? Hi, all. Another great show, as always. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's no wonder that so many of these roads, there's so many sightings, uh, the history of so many of them, you know, were uh, native trails at one time, then colonial stage routes and to the highways we know now. So the, the history of them, uh, going back so far, and the people and places along them, the possibilities are endless. And, and yeah, and the, and the great thing is when you have you have those different histories superimposing each other. So, you know, there's some really great uh, Boston legends, for example. Um, but then there's some also really good Boston-like stagecoach and horse legends. Um, yes, that yes. Kind of do that. And you can actually, in tracking the ghost stories and in tracking those things, you're, you're, once again, like really learning about history and really learning about the culture of a people, which is why I was very intrigued with the whole idea of Route 66, a show about Route 66, because how do those stories, if we're assuming that some of them are legends, how do those legends reflect the people of Missouri versus the people of California? Yes, and Route 66 was also a native trail on time and also a pioneer trail. So that goes way back before it was paved as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, 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 and I'd be interested... Maybe, uh, maybe Mr. Moniz can comment on even a lot of these roads and their connections and even their running along ley lines and things like that. Yes. Well, thanks, Al. I'll keep listening. All right. Thank you very much for calling in. Have a good night. Yeah, what do you think about that, Moniz, with ley lines? I don't know how much research you've done into those. but Well, most of the ley line research I've done was in England, but uh, the, most of these roadways also generally parallel waterways. Uh, and as we know, there's definitely a great connection between water and paranormal activity. And I, I've actually uh, talked with somebody about ley lines at Disney World <laughs> and some of the effects that they've had down there. So, you know, the Magic Kingdom has them. They could be a, they, certainly yeah. no reason why these roads don't fall across them as well. Well, Chris, why don't we take a break? I mentioned the, the, the road that kind of runs runs through Florida uh, for is extremely, extremely haunted place, and tons of stories that kind of, you know, snake their way across that race, that road, so. Well, I was going to say, why don't we take a break, Chris, when we come back, we can talk about SpookySouthCoast.com, which is probably something you're tired of hearing <laughs> after this past week. <laughs> or typing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will talk about that in just a minute. We'll be back to wrap up the show and discuss the all-new website. So go check it out during the break, SpookySouthCoast.com. And uh, it's all new. It's all Balzano. <laughs> it's all his idea. So uh, hopefully hopefully we can make it work. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Lock the doors and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, there you go. Highway to Hell, one of the many 
roads and legends that we can discuss. The highway to hell, of course, being, uh, what's it called? Squirrel Road? <laughs> it's alright. Anyway, uh, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz, and on the phone with us is Spooky South Coast content director, Chris Balzano, who has totally revamped SpookySouthCoast.com and the goal is to make it your paranormal homepage, the place that you go to every day for fresh and new paranormal content. And Chris, I got to say, you've done an amazing job with the website, and I, I know that you've been putting in a lot of hours on it this week. Uh, and when you told me that you had planned on having it ready for this Saturday, I said, "Well, no way," because the ideas that you had were just too great. But it worked out, and, and it's up there, and it's it's amazing. And we still have some things that we're uh, we're looking to add, so uh, please don't consider the finished product. I know some of the some of the things we had originally uh, discussed have not made it up there yet, but yeah, I really was like, you know, between the, you know the, the the spooky crew and and the you know the ring of people we know and the ring of people that those people know, there's a lot of really great ideas that are out there. Um, and then what I want to do is just find a really good way to get those ideas and to get those stories to people. Um, and so I think that the, the paranormal is a community, and, 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 you know, I was looking to create our own little kind of area where people can go and learn things they don't know, hear stories they don't know, would love to have people from other parts of the country uh, contribute things to the articles and to the, and to the clips that we got and the evidence videos that we we're, were putting up there, and just really make it someplace that you kind of want to go and check out what's going on on Spooky South Coast when the show's not on. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, one of the issues that I always found people had with our website is that there wasn't enough going on during the week. You know, they wanted to take some of the discussions that we had and keep them going. And of course, we've had the forum on there, but a lot of people, you know, they don't want to interact. They just want to read. They just want to learn more, not necessarily uh, discuss more. So now with these articles that are going to be posted up there, uh, it's a chance for people to learn about things that we might not cover on the show or to expand something that we have covered on the show or to just come out of left field with something we never even thought about. And, you know, one of the things we're going to be doing in the coming weeks, and by the coming weeks I mean, you know, hopefully up by the middle of the week, is reaching out to investigative teams who we don't know, (laughs) who are kind of either, you know, kind of approach us or who are kind of chosen at random because their ideas are out there and then we kind of pull them out of the sky and present them to people. So the people can kind of get, um, you know, Spooky South Coast is a show that talks a lot about, um, you know, the, the south coast of Massachusetts and, and, and southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island. But we have so many people who are listening from other parts of the country. We have someone from Canada um, listening. We've got people from all across the world. And so it's one of those things where we want to know what's going on other places. So we don't kind of get these blinders as to, you know, that the New England way of doing ghosts is 100% the right way. Sure. And and one of the things that, uh, I mean, in the interest of full disclosure here, we have a lot of paranormal groups that want to come on the show just because they're a paranormal group. And, and we've kind of looked at it as saying, gee, you know, it's interesting for maybe some other investigators, maybe some people who, who haven't heard about the idea of paranormal investigation, but it, it doesn't really necessarily make for a great two hours of radio. So by incorporating groups with the SpookySouthCoast.com site, it gives us a way to expose our audience to them without necessarily bringing them on and, and trying to feature them on the show. Right, right. And and, and another really great element is we're going to be having um, the Ask Moniz section. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Moniz will tell you, you know, I, I sometimes call him up always when I was on my long commute home and ask him, 
this really completely out of left field and right field and often center field question about science, and he would whoop, just automatically know it, snap to it, and give a good response. And I think that there's a lot of paranormal things that are out there. Um, we were having a discussion on, well, wait a minute, Derek is saying the water's trapping, um, trapping the energy in and the ghosts in, whereas other people say that ghosts act, water acts as a conduit so ghosts can travel. What is it? You know, what's the science behind that? Um, so even if we can't put 100% put our finger on, we're hoping that Moniz can kind of uh, clear the graph for us a little bit and give us some really good uh, definitions and explanations. Well, water is both, it contains both potential and kinetic energy. Save it for the mess. Save it for the website, Moniz. All right. <laughs> we we what we do is we bring them in here. We give them the cheese sticks for free, so that they buy the beers. You gotcha. see, that's how it works. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I said buy, but of course, SpookySouthCoast.com is and always will be totally free. So all this stuff is up there for you to enjoy every day. I mean, grab your cornflakes in the morning, log on, see what's new. Uh, that's that's the way to do it, I think, because uh, the idea is to have this new content up there all the time. Now, some of the articles uh, that are going to be posted up there are um, we have UFO and, and extraterrestrial articles, uh, watching the skies. We have What Beasts, which features a great opening column by our own Matt Costa, which actually, you know, I'm still debating in my mind who would win Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. Who knows? I have not made a decision on that, but I'll get back to you. Uh, so we have that. And, of course, uh, Janice, who was on the show at the beginning uh, of the, uh, the at the top of the show, Janice Tremere, she contributes as well. Uh, we have uh, – soon we'll have tech reviews from Dave Giuliano from the Ghost Hunter store. I mean, there's going to be something for everybody, whether you're into this – uh, for the legend tripping aspect, which Chris is writing about on Tripping on Legends, or if you're in for it for the hardcore scientific investigation aspect, there's going to be something for all avenues. And if it's not your cup of tea, you know, maybe you read the articles, check them out, and see. Maybe it'll change your mind a little bit. Yeah, and I, we really want to kind of evolve this to, to really touch uh, what people are doing outside there because, you know, when these things are going on and we're having these discussions, someone who's listening is thinking about a book that they read that has to do with that. Well, if they're isolated like that, okay, you know, we might all in our group know about doing ghost files, but if there's other books that are out there that, that kind of shed light on this or that make you think, um, oh, wait a minute, that was just like in this book that I read. Um, we want to offer reviews on those books. We want to offer people the, the opportunity to hear something like, you know, uh, Route 66 today, and then all of a sudden be like, well, where can I get more information on this? And then, boom, there's, you know, there's uh, resources out there, whether we get them from the chat room or people email them. So we can kind of create this kind of ongoing library that's not just, you know, oh, go out and buy these Amazon books, but this really interesting library of things that people have suggested we, as a paranormal community, read up more on. All right, well, we are right up against the end of the show here, but we're definitely going to be adding guest blogs there so anybody can contribute guest evidence. There's going to be so much more, so stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll keep giving you updates on the show as well. And please, please, if you like the website, you like the show, link to us so we can spread the word out there and, and, and get people more involved. So, Chris, thank you again for all your work, and we'll talk to you, I'm sure, this week. Thank you, gentlemen. Stay spectacular. <laughs> you as well. Trying to cut All me right, off. Right. On the, on the <laughs> All right. So uh, as Chris said, uh, until ne- uh, actually next week, we're not going to be on the air because of the Red Sox. But so for the next two weeks, for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spectacular. <laughs>